Number 16, 1 through 7. Now Korah, the son of Ishar, the son of Kohath, the son of Levi, and Dathan and Abiram, the sons of Eliab, and On, the son of Peleth, sons of Reuben, took men. And they rose up before Moses with certain of the children of Israel, 250 princes of the assembly, famous in the congregation, men of renown. Now this was towards sometime during the, the 40 years of wandering. Okay, they've been turned away. We looked at it last week. They were not going to enter the promised land because of their unbelief. And so God turns them back into the wilderness. And some point in this, and Bible scholars think it's towards the end of that, that period, there is this rebellion. It's a flat out rebellion, okay, of these princes of, of Israel against Moses and Aaron and the Lord. And they gathered themselves together against Moses and against Aaron and said unto them, Ye take too much upon you, seeing all the congregation are holy, every one of them, and the Lord is among them. Wherefore then lift ye up yourselves. Now this is what they said against Moses and Aaron. Wherefore lift ye up yourselves above the congregation of the Lord. And, and when Moses heard it, he fell upon his face. And he spake unto Korah and unto all his company, saying, Even tomorrow the Lord will show who are his and who is holy and will cause to come, him to come near unto him. Even him who he hath chosen will he cause to come near unto him. This do take you censers, Korah and all his company, and put fire therein and put incense in them before the Lord tomorrow. And it shall be that the man whom the Lord shall choose, doth choose, he shall be holy. You take too much upon you, you sons of Levi. Skip down to verse 11. For which cause both you and all the, con all the company are gathered together against the Lord. And what is Aaron that you murmur against him? And Moses sent to call Dathan and Abiram, the sons of Eliab, which said, We will not come up. Is it a small thing that thou hast brought us up out of the land? This is what Dathan and Abiram said. Is it a small thing that thou hast brought us up out of a land that floweth with milk and honey to kill us in the wilderness, except thou make thyself altogether a prince over us? Moreover, thou hast not brought us into a land that floweth with milk and honey, or given us inheritance of fields and vineyards. Wilt thou put out the eyes of these men? We will not come up. Uh, this is an amazing story. Okay, If you ever want to see a great picture of rebellion and ingratitude, this is a perfect story. Okay, We see it in our own lives. We've seen it, but this is a great thing for us to study tonight because uh, this, this has to be one of the greatest uh, conspiracies or rebellions against a faithful man of God that, that you could possibly imagine. It really took place. This was 250 men of renown led by this man, Korah, okay, who was a descendant of Levi. And it's something that anybody that serves God, now this is where we're going to relate it to us, anybody that serves God for any amount of time, a servant of the Lord, is going to face, maybe not to this degree, but probably this would be common to have someone uh, come against you, to bring false accusations against you, to 
to be jealous. Uh, and it manifests itself. It's not of God. Okay, it's not of the Lord. But we're going to, to learn from this. We're going to learn, and God gives us this in His Word. It's one of the wonderful things about the Bible is the Bible doesn't just record all the perfect and wonderful things. It almost seemed like a fairy tale. And if you and I were writing a book that we wanted men to follow, it would be like everything's perfect and everybody's perfect. But in the Bible, we see flaws. We see him in David's life, who was a man after God's heart. This is not a flaw on Moses' part at all, but we do see um, how does he handle it when unjustly accused? There was no justification in what took place. None. There was no truth to what they accused him of. There was no cause for it at all. Okay? How did he handle it? What did he do? We're going to see his pattern, and I pray that I can learn from it. Amen? Really learn from it and go to God and say, give me that meek spirit. Give me that gentle spirit. Give me that spirit. It's not a weak spirit. It's, it's a very strong spirit. We've talked about this. But a meek spirit and to submit it all to God. So I'm giving you the summary before we even get started. But it's interesting how one man rebels and it's like things might be going kind of smooth and one man voices his discontent or jealousy or whatever it would be or accusations. How many people are quick to jump in there? You didn't even know there was a problem. But before he knows it, there's 250 men of renown that are following this. It just shows how one little flame or spark of discontent can spread. It can spread and all of a sudden you've got this roaring fire that you have to deal with. This is human nature. It's not God's nature, but it's human nature and the Lord knows it. And He gives us this example through His man Moses, okay? And so we do good to, to study this and look at it tonight. So what was, what was going on? Here's Korah and those that were aligned with him. And their accusation primarily was this. They, they suggested that, that Moses and Aaron had taken on themselves these positions that God had put them in. Okay? In other words, they're just looking at it man, mano a mano. They're just looking at it human beings to human beings. They're totally leaving God out of the picture. That's a mistake. Okay? And what they're saying is, you, they literally said, Moses and Aaron, you take too much upon yourselves. You have exalted yourselves. You have elevated yourselves, Moses, as a prince or king over us, and and uh, Levi's being this priest over us. You've taken this upon yourself, and they go on to say, "What makes you think this is just for y'all? You two men out of the whole congregation of Israel, we're all holy. All the all whole congregation of of Israel is holy. Actually, they weren't all holy." This was not a holy thing that they were doing here at all. It was rebellion. It was not of God. What is the man of God's reaction? What can we learn from? A lot of things. But the first thing we see it, Moses instantly fell on his face before the Lord. Again, not out of weakness, not out of fear, but he knows where to turn when there's a problem. It doesn't matter if there's one person standing against him a giant standing against him, an army standing against him, 250 men of his own brothers, a men of renown standing against him. He's going to go to the Lord. What he could have done and what I probably would have done if not being led by the Lord, 
And what we would do is what? We would instantly want to defend ourselves. You know what, Cora? You are something else. Man, you wouldn't be living if it wasn't for me. More than one time, literally, more than one time, Moses had been the intercessor <laughs> to, to stand in the gap, to spare the lives. Remember, the Lord wanted to wipe them all out, start a new nation with Moses. And it hit Korah's very life and was due to, to Moses' intercession on his behalf and, and to his meekness and to his godliness and his relationship with God and his faith. Remember, we started out this whole study months ago in Hebrews by faith Moses. Okay? And so he could, he could have defended himself and he would have been right. He could have given factual things. Look, your life is due to my prayers my tears, my intercession on your, your behalf. And he would have been right in all these things, and yet he would not have been right because it was not what the Lord had for him to do. He, just, he did just what God had for him to do. He held his peace. It doesn't mean there's never time to speak because he's going to speak in just a moment. It doesn't mean there's never time to defend ourselves. But that has to be at the prompting of the Lord. We first go to God. And I've used Paul for an example. Uh, there was times uh, when he's arrested and so forth, he did not instantly start defending himself. There were times he, he, that God did give him an opportunity of a defense. And I think it was more of a testimony or witness of Christ where he would share his testimony and things like that. But it wasn't just plain old self-defense. You know, trying, trying, to, trying to prove a point. It was as being led by the Lord. And so, the first thing he does, and y'all, we could find the same thing. Again, maybe not to this degree. Maybe to this degree. I don't know. Where we have been faithful. Plenty of times we haven't been faithful and God's had to forgive us. But when we're faithful in serving the Lord, and there are people whose very lives, spiritual life is due to you. You might have been the one that won them to the Lord. You might have been the one that has uh, <coughs> held their hand basically through through troubles. They would have been gone. They would have they would have turned their back on the Lord. They would have been overcome. And their very spiritual walk is due to your bending over backwards in love to bear along with them and to help them. And the tires, maybe you've given money, maybe you've given your time, you've given your home to them so that they would do well with Jesus and be strengthened. Now, we ought to do that. We shouldn't pat ourselves on the back for that. But the point is, sometimes those very people are the ones that can and often do are jealous or they, they come against you. And we could say, well, your very life is due to me and I'm the one that. You know, when nobody, you didn't have a friend in the world and I was praying for you and I was picking you up and I was coming, sitting with you all night to pray with you through these hard times you went through, whatever. We could say all that. Maybe, maybe God would have us at some point to say that. But the first response on our part needs to be like Moses and go to the Lord. He fell on his face before them. Guess what, y'all? That wasn't just something he started here. We've seen it, right? This was his pattern. Go to the Lord when they need water. Go to the Lord when they need food. Go to the Lord when they're pinned between Pharaoh and the Red Sea. Go to the Lord. And 
God is sufficient for everything. You name it, you fill in the blank, whatever we have need of. Self-defense. We need somebody to vindicate our reputation, our testimony for Christ. Go to the Lord for that. You can't do it. We all came out of something where we felt like, I'd like to set the record straight. And I'd like to set... You can't, can you? You can't. You could try and it would fall flat. It would look like you're trying to defend yourself. It doesn't mean there's never a time to speak. I'm simply saying you can't right all the wrongs. You can't right all the misconceptions and the misunderstandings. You can't. It's beyond you. It's not beyond the Lord. And so we have to go to God and we have to be patient, right? Because it doesn't all happen overnight. This happened literally overnight where the Lord vindicated His man Moses. But still, he, he, what, what did Moses do? He fell on his face before the Lord. And then he reminds them when he does speak, in verse 8, we skip this. I want to go back and look at 8 through 10. Now, here's Moses' first words to them, really. Moses said unto Korah, Here I pray you, you sons of Levi, seem but a small thing unto you, that God, the God of Israel has separated you from the congregation of Israel to bring you near to Himself, to do the service of the tabernacle of the Lord, and to stand before the congregation to minister unto them. And He hath brought thee near to Him, and all thy brethren, the sons of Levi, with thee, and seek ye the priesthood also. You know what he's saying? He's saying, look, you're, you're acting like I'm lording it over you and I took this position and you're jealous and you, you want my position or whatever it may be and more authority. Is it a little thing to you that God has chosen you sons of Levi to be the ministers to, to set up the tabernacle and to approach the tabernacle and everything? Is that a little thing to you? Because that's obviously what you're thinking. You're thinking I'm here and I've got the, the sweet deal and you people are left with some little, you know, nothing kind of a job. He's saying, he's reminded them, God called you, the sons of Levi, to be ministers to, to, to do what the rest of the congregation is not doing. You have a privilege to serve God. And he says, you've got no reason to be jealous. You have no reason to complain. God puts you in a special calling. So I think that was wise, right? What is he doing? He's relating everything to the Lord. We have to do that as well. Go to the Lord, but re relate everything to the Lord. And also what he's saying, next what he's saying in verse 11, for, for which cause both thou and thy company are gathered together against the Lord. And what is Aaron that you murmur against him? You know what he's saying there? You're really, your problem is not against me and Aaron. You're gathered together against who? The Lord. Again, he's bringing God into it and he's rightly bringing God into it. He's, he knows what he's talking about. He's being led by the Lord. He's still being meek. He's still being uh, Christ-like. But he's, he's pointing out a truth as God would have him to. I think he's speaking on the Lord's behalf here. And he says, your problem is really with the Lord. You're murmuring against Jehovah. Because you're not happy with your lot in life. You're not happy with your ministry, your position. And that jealousy just has no place in, in that competitive spirit. There, sh there should be none. It is. Unfortunately, it exists. It exists within the, the church. Not when everything's as it should be, but when it's not as it should be, 
it exists. To a little extent, it can blow up to something in a big, ex- uh, to a big extent. But uh, he, he's saying, what he's saying is that this is, this is the Lord. This is the Lord's positioning where he's put me and Aaron, where he's put us. And he's putting y'all where he put y'all. You have, there's no reason for dissatisfaction. What is, I always think about David. He's king, but he says, I'd rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than to dwell in the tents of wickedness. I just want to serve God. I just want to be in his favor. I just want to be in his company. I just want his face to shine upon me and to smile upon me. Uh, I, I, I want to roll up my sleeve and just sleep as long as I'm here. Just serve God. Such a blessing to have His favor upon my life. The pastor doesn't necessarily, well, shouldn't choose his position and the Sunday school teacher choose their position. We ought to be where God has placed us within the body, within the body as a whole and within the local body as well. No place for dissatisfaction and no place when we're keeping our eyes on the Lord to, uh, to grumble and complain and certainly to be jealous of other people. We have to go to the Lord because if people are dissatisfied with our leadership or ministry, we have to go to God. Say, Lord, are you moving me? You know what I mean? Are you like Moses being totally rejected here? Are you moving me? And he's going to say, yes, I'm moving you. You know, your time here is done. Or, or, but if that order doesn't come, then he's going to give us the strength and grace to, to stay. And God would also have to give us the the favor, I guess you would say, of the people. In other words, He would have to turn, if I'm going to lead these people or you're going to lead these people, then He's going to have to fix that. He'll have to make provision. We don't just bail because it's uncomfortable. We don't just bail because it's a mutiny. We don't. We have to go to God. And we sit tight and we hold our position and we, we listen for the Lord. If He moves us, He moves us. If He doesn't, then He will give us the strength to remain. You all understand what I'm saying? You don't bail because circumstances turn out to the contrary. You don't bail because people don't like your authority. You, you leave when God leaves because He's the one that puts you there. Amen. Okay? Don't ever forget, well, it's just getting too hot here. I can't, can't stay. People aren't accepting me or so forth. Whatever, whatever the situation we stay, if God put us there, we stay until He moves us from there. And if He doesn't move us from there, He will equip us for that. He'll give us grace and He'll strengthen us. We might have to stand alone for a while, so to speak. And if there's a lot of people around us, we might have to stand alone as that, that watchman on the wall and, and go to God and, and let Him strengthen us. But I'm simply saying we can't take it upon ourselves. And so Moses left the ultimate decision up to the Lord. And let's read this. I told you we're going to read a good bit of this, this chapter tonight. Read with me verses 16 through 22. Same chapter. And Moses said unto Korah, Be thou and all thy company before the Lord, thou and they, and Aaron tomorrow. And take every man his censer, and put incense in them, and bring ye therefore Bring ye before the Lord every man his censer, 250 censers, thou also, and Aaron, each of you his censer. 
And they took every man his censer and put fire in them and laid incense thereon and stood in the door of the tabernacle. So the whole company's gathered. This was God's plan. They bring these accusations against Moses. There's a rebellion. God's fault. I mean, Moses falls on his face. The Lord shows him what to do. God's going to show who's holy. God's going to show who's right and who speaks on his behalf and who he's chosen to, to be his man or his men. And so the plan is they bring these censers. And they all come, all 250 plus Moses and Aaron and Korah. And Korah gathered all the congregation against against them. So it's still an against Moses kind of thing. Unto the door of the tabernacle of the congregation. And the glory of the Lord appeared unto all the congregation. And the Lord spake unto Moses and Aaron, saying, Separate yourselves from among this congregation, that I may consume them in a moment. I think he's making it clear who belongs to him, right? Isn't it wonderful when we, we submit it to God? When we really give it over to the Lord and let him be our, our defense? And they fell upon their faces and said, Oh God, this is Moses and Aaron. Oh God, the God of, this, of the spirits of all flesh, shall one man, speaking of Korah, sin? And wilt thou be wroth with all the congregation? So even when God is pronouncing his judgment, and it's here, I'm going to give my answer in this way, and he gives his answer in that way, Moses and Aaron are still interceding on their behalf even then. God wants to bring judgment, but he also wants an intercessor. Now he's going to bring judgment in this case, and he brings judgment where he knows it's needed. But I can tell you, he always wants an intercessor. He's always pleased with you and I and his people when we intercede, when we pray for our enemies, when we love and pray for them that despitefully use us and persecute us and say all manner of evil against us falsely for his name's sake. He's pleased when we really do love them. He still might bring the judgment, but he's still pleased on, for us, with us, when we share the Lord's heart and saying, forgive them, Lord, they don't know what they're doing. Still, while he's being reviled on the cross, he didn't revile again. This is such a godly characteristic and trait. And so, what we see with Moses, again, he's leaving the ultimate decision to the Lord. The Lord would choose who comes near to him. The Lord would choose who is holy. And y'all, I would just say this. In that, there's an incredible rest that comes to the people of God when we really can do this. That's not always fixed in a day like this, like this was exposed and dealt with in one day and judged and put away. And we'll look at that in just a little bit. It's not always the case. But what rest we would have in Christ if we could learn to take all that accusations and anger and jealousy and hatred and everything ingratitude that comes against us give it to God literally and say you handle it I'm not going to be my own defense attorney I'm not going to go tit for tat they did this I'll do this I'll try to be real spiritual about it but I'm going to try to get even they said this I'm going to go clear it up with everybody that that what they said wasn't true you would never that would never end. It's something we learn. It's a, there's a maturity to that. That would never end. Hear me. 
If you went to every person that has believed a lie about you and sat down with them for two hours, one to one on one, face to face, it wouldn't end. It would just start a new batch of something going on. Or they would just choose not to believe because their minds are already made up. Whatever it may be, leave that to God. And if God leads you to say something to an individual or whatever, He'll give you a, a God-given platform and an opportunity to do that. And He did for Moses here. But He left, the, he left it to the Lord. And what a peace would come to us if we could say, God, You have it. It would really bring us a peace. Circumstances haven't changed. Opinions against about your life that are wrong. You know good and well are wrong and it makes you furious because they believe a lot about you and all you've done is love them and now they, they hate you and won't answer your phone call or your text. Um, and yet, what a peace comes when we're able to really give that to the Lord and still pray for them. For their good. God will deal with them. We can pray. We don't have to pray something that's insincere or that would be unspiritual. We can pray for the truth. We can pray for manifestation of that truth and so forth. But we can really give it to God and pray that we still have a love for them. So we'll talk about that a little bit more as well. But so many times other other considerations come into our choices instead of just simply what God wants, and I'm going to totally be led by the Lord. People go to church committees. They run to their Christian friends. They try to get a consensus. They try to get a coalition. Us against them. Uh, maybe if I can swing enough of the most influential people in the church to my side, it'll, it'll tip the, the scales. None, all that's futile. It's futile. We have to, again, there's wisdom. If God shows you someone to go to, there's someone in your life that you can go to and God would, would use that and praise God. But we have to go to the Lord. And so many people, you know, it's like, like uh, me for, for a pastor, for example. If I thought, wow, if I, if I preach this, so-and-so who's the biggest tither of the church might get offended and leave. I can't consider that. You understand what I'm saying? So, so often in the church world, those are real considerations that people make. They should never be a consideration. We have to just hear from the Lord. Plain and simply from the Lord. Can God speak through other church members? Yes. Can God speak through the body as a whole when they're spiritual and being led by God? Absolutely. But my point is, none of those other considerations need to come in. We have to be keep it real simple, be led by the Lord, and know that you've heard from God. Amen? So many decisions are made in the church without going to the Lord. Maybe a token prayer. But they're really decisions made by opinions of men in the church as opposed to being led by Christ Himself. And so we need to, to respond that way. Let God lead us. And look at what's, what uh, Moses said in verse 28. He says, And Moses said, Hereby ye shall know that the Lord hath sent me to do all these works. We're going to backtrack in a minute. But he says, Hereby you'll know that the Lord hath sent me to do all these works. For I have done what? None of them on my own mind. So again, what is he doing? 
good, you know, the Lord led me to, to make the, the choices that I made. Now, I've made choices that were not of the Lord, okay? I've had to repent and ask God to forgive me. Fix it, Lord. Correct it. I want to do your will. I'm not saying that I've perfectly done this. I am saying that is what we desire to do and must desire to do. And that's exactly Moses saying, I didn't put myself in this position. He was tending, he, he was tending sheep in Midian when God called him to be the deliverer of his people. And remember, he didn't want to or choose somebody else besides me. And they finally resigned and said, Lord, deliver the people by whomever you choose. And it was, it was him. He didn't put himself in that position. This Korah was wrong. The people were wrong in their accusation. So he is at this point saying, the Lord's led me to do this, even in this judgment, about calling us all to the tabernacle door with our censers in hand. Uh, this is all the Lord's doing. And so, um, let's read some more. Verses, we're going to backtrack to verse 25. And Moses rose up and went unto Datham and Abiram. And the elders of Israel followed him. And he spake unto the congregation, congregation saying, Depart, I pray you, from the tents of these wicked men. These are the two that wouldn't come up. They wouldn't even show up for the the judgment that God, or the test that God had pronounced. Just totally rebellious. We're not about to come up. He's such a wicked man, Moses, he probably bore, literally bore our eyes out. That's what they accused him of. Had he ever done anything like that? He'd always fall on his face and pray for them. And it just shows their wicked heart. When we come up, he probably bore our eyes out. Like with a hot iron or something, a poker, and do that. Moses would never... He's the most meek man on the face of all the earth. And so these accusations are just demonic. They really are demonic. And so uh, depart from, I pray you, from the tents of these wicked men and touch nothing of theirs, lest ye be consumed in all their sins. So they got up from the tabernacle of Korah, Dathan, and Abiram on every side. And Dathan and Abiram came out and stood in the door of their tents and their wives and their sons and their little children. And Moses said, Hereby ye shall know that the Lord hath sent me to do all these works, for I have done none of them at my own mind. Now you can say that and people can believe you or not believe you. But he did say it. There's nothing wrong with saying this is what God, this is the Lord's work. I'm only saying and doing no more, no less this is not my invention. I'm only doing what God said. So he says it. If these men, now here's part of his speak, talk, if these men die the common death of all men, or if they be visited after the visitation of all men, in other words, just a natural death, some point in life later they die, then the Lord hath not sent me. But if the Lord make a new thing, it literally means a new creation, a new, new thing that He created, and the earth opened her mouth and swallowed them up with all that appertain unto them, and they go down quick into the pit, then ye shall understand that these men have provoked the Lord. And it came to pass, as he had made an end of speaking all these words, that the ground clave asunder that was under them, and the earth opened her mouth and swallowed them up, and their houses and all the... All 
the men that appertained unto Korah and all their goods. They and all their, that appertained to them went down alive into the pit, and the earth closed upon them, and they perished from among the congregation. And all Israel that were round about them fled at the cry of them, for they said, Lest the earth swallow us up also. And they came out of fire from the Lord and consumed the 250 men that offered incense. Okay, this is a severe judgment. Moses didn't think this up. I think it'd be neat if the Lord just burned them up with fire and consumed you know, Abiram over here and, and so forth. He's doing what God told him to do. And this, this, it comes to pass. This judgment comes to pass. And so there was, a, you could say, a, a strict, a severe judgment, right? It's very clean cut. It was supernatural. It was miraculous. And in, in the judgment, literally the earth opened up, swallowed all their, them and all their stuff and family, closed back up over them. And other people fled and God sends a fire and consumes. So the 250 are gone plus these couple of special ones that were leaders in the rebellion. They're all gone. It's over. As far as that, them, they were judged. And you might wonder, why did it have to be so severe? Couldn't the Lord just forgive them and so forth? This to me has nothing to do with forgiveness. This has to do with a, a purifying. It has to do with cleansing the congregation of Israel from this rebellion. God, there comes a point, and we don't know it, but God knows when it is, okay? that he has to judge to to purge something because it's 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 like cancer. You don't deal kindly with cancer and say I'm going to put some you know I'm going to put some kind of cream over the top of it and try to take the redness away from it or you know some little skin rash. It has to be dealt with. Why? Because cancer grows. Cancer spreads. It spreads and it affects and so this this really not what this whole message is about, but the severity of the of the judgment was in God's wisdom to spare two million people or however many were at that time from a similar rebellion. He knows when that's needed. It's not for me to do it. Moses didn't just get sick of it and, and go kill them all. God dealt with it. But do y'all see that, that that's important? There are times when God has to deal with something to cut them off. Little children, that doesn't mean the little children that died went to hell. You have to think about that too. Little children that can't make a decision, yea or nay, for the Lord, I believe they go to be with the Lord in heaven. But the point is, he had to deal with the rebellion swiftly and com completely and, and stamp it out, at least for this season, in these particular lives, okay, that the rest of the congregation would not be affected by. So you all understand that. There's a time for that. I'm not at all judging God for that. He knows in His wisdom. Alright? So that's just how it is. And so, the people are still, even after this, the whole congregation still, there was 250 that 
men of renown that rebelled. But the whole congregation is still, after that, displeased with Moses and Aaron, and they say, you killed them. Moses, you killed them. It's just amazing. It just doesn't seem to stop the false accusation. Here he's falling on his face, falling on his face, praying. He's saying, I'm only doing what God's leading me to do. But let's read a little bit more, and we're going to be bringing this to a close. Verse 41. <clears throat> but on the morrow, all of the congregation of the children of Israel murmured against Moses and against Aaron. Here's another murmur. Here's another complaining. You know what they could have done? They could have been had the holy fear of God in them. We better not murmur anymore. Even for only self-preservation. Even if it was only for selfish reasons. To say, we better shut up. And find out what God requires. And where we stand with the Lord. They murmured. God, as we've talked about it before, the Lord despises murmuring. He despises it. I know all sin is sin. We say all sin is sin. And I understand that. All sins separate us from God. In one sense, there's no little sins or big sins. But the Bible does talk about things that God hates. He hates you know, false witness and things like this. He hates that murmuring spirit because it's a direct affront to His goodness. There's nothing against, that I should murmur against God. He's given me the breath that I have. Jesus died for me. And He can made me his own and all my sins are forgiven purely by his grace and his mercy he sustains me every day and i'm a beneficiary of his goodness every day so to murmur and complain which i have done and and we all do at times there's no excuse for it so they all complain and they complain specifically against moses god's man and Aaron saying, you've killed the people of the Lord. Let's, let's keep reading. Skip down to verse 44. And the Lord spake unto Moses saying, get you up from among this congregation. Does this sound familiar? That I may consume them in a moment. So he's already had the one judgment with the 250 and the earth opening up and swallowing the other few. And here he says, get away. Moses, look. Just, you better step back. Get away from them. I'm getting ready to take them all out. Right now. Alright? Step back from them that I may consume them in a moment. And what does Moses do? And Aaron, they fell upon their faces once again. It's almost like we get tired of reading it, but praise God. This was their nature. It was in them. Especially in Moses. And Moses said unto Aaron, Take a censer and put fire therein from off the altar and put incense and quickly and go quickly unto the congregation and make an atonement for them for there is wrath gone out from the Lord the plague is begun so here's another judgment right this is the next day right on the heels of that one this plague because of the, they could have repented they could have thanked the Lord thanked Moses wept because somebody they loved died and so forth and gone on home but they complained and murmured, and God sends a plague. And it's happening as He speaks. This is going on. There's this plague that's going through the, the camp of Israel, and they're dying. So another supernatural thing. And what does Moses is quick to know? This is a wonderful thing, too. He's quick to know what God's doing. They didn't know what God was doing until they started dying. Moses knew 
God's judging it right now. Aaron, get out there. You understand what I'm saying? He was quick to know what God was doing. And, and whatever it is, whether it's judgment or whatever, we need to be quick to know what the Lord is doing. I want to be, I want to be right on that cutting edge, so to speak. I want to be, the Bible says the secret of the Lord is with them that fear Him. That intimate communion is what that means. It means in fellowship with God. That He's not going to share His secrets with an enemy. But those that walk close with Him, He says in Amos, surely the Lord does nothing without showing it to His prophets first. And so He's, he's speaking. Moses, Moses knows that there's a judgment going on. Aaron, you go out and make an atonement. And literally, what, what, well, let's keep reading just a little bit through verse 48. And Aaron took as Moses commanded and ran into the midst of the congregation. So he just, he, he's running right out there in the midst of the sinful people. He's running right out to the midst of where people are dying and the judgment of God is coming. He's getting right out there front lines. And that's what the Lord does. Amen. Atonement is front line stuff. He's not sitting up in some lofty sanctuary. Jesus died publicly. We bring, we bring Christ right to the center, right in the midst of their cursing and in their sin and in the lostness. And you meet Him right there with atonement and with salvation. And so with the Gospel. And so let's, let's read it. So He runs out and He... Behold, the plague was begun among the people and He put on incense and made an atonement for the people. This wouldn't have been a spiritual atonement like a fitting them for heaven atonement. It would be a mercy and sparing their lives atonement. Okay? It's where they could get their lives right with God afterwards. And He stood between the dead and the living. Just picture that. Dying, they're dying, they're dying. He gets out there and stops. He stands between the people over here that are still living and those that have already been judged. He gets out there quick. And he is in this moment just representing that atonement. And, and he stands between the living and the, and the dead. The dead and the living and the plague was stayed. It stopped right where he was. It went no further. It didn't go past him one person. Nobody got sick or anything like that. Past him. We don't know what the plague was. People were dying. He got out there quick. And I'm just going to close close with this this thought that when we when we do like Moses did when we don't hate the people that hate us only the Lord can help us to do that right but He can help us to do that okay and when we intercede and we when we commit the whole cause to the Lord and when we're not jealous or envious like these people were and we're content with what He's made me in Christ and the position in the body and so forth. And false things and accusations come against us and they will. I promise you if they have it, they will. Okay? That we can be totally confident that the Lord will vindicate us. The Lord will straighten it out in the end. It may take longer than what we would choose for it to take. Probably will. But... You can totally 100% rest assured if we commit the cause to the Lord genuinely, He'll give us a peace in the midst of it and He'll take away a lot of the sting of it. You know, the initial pain and the hurt and those things will kind of go away. He'll give us peace instead. 
and a love for our enemies instead. And He will vindicate it. When the dust settles, so to speak, and when it's all over, right's going to be right and wrong's going to be wrong. Whose right's going to be known as being right and whose wrong is going to be known as being wrong. And God's merciful in all of it, okay? But He's not lax and He's not permissive and He doesn't let people get away with things. He'll, he'll set it straight. And it's good for us to, it's, it's a growing up process. The Bible says He'll bring forth your righteousness as the noonday. I love that. He's going he's gonna to let it be known. Well, Lord, they're saying this about me. Lord, it's been going on three years. Lord, it's been going on ten years. Lord, and, and more and more people are believing things that are not true about me. And all I do is pray for them and love them and send them offerings anonymously. And they don't even know that I'm helping them. And, and look at what they're saying. He's going to bring forth your righteousness as the noonday. Don't fret. Okay? Don't fret. Commit it to the Lord. God's faithful. The Bible says that no, uh, no weapon formed against God's people is going to prosper. And every tongue that is raised up against you in judgment shall, will be condemned. Not by you, but by the Lord. Amen? And I'm just going to close with that thought. The Lord is faithful. We can trust Him. We can be kind to our enemies. We can be healed from the sting of, of meanness. You know, people rejecting you and, and accusing you and so forth falsely and ingratitude to people that should be very grateful. And God can help us with all that. Trust Him to do it. Just I promise you He can do it and fix it. And you can't. And I promise you, He can defend you better than you can defend you. Amen? So let's just stand uh, tonight. The altar's open. Just take a moment at these altars. Maybe there's someone you need to forgive. Maybe we need to ask God for love for our enemies. Maybe we need the faith to trust God. You really are going to handle it. Maybe we need to ask God to forgive us because we've handled ourselves unwisely or we tried to defend ourselves. Whatever it may be, the Lord wants to meet with us tonight before we go. So Father, we come before You.